Will you turn with me to the scriptures, please? Turn with me to the book of Isaiah, chapter 59. This evening's title is quite short and simple. It is simply entitled, His Face. His Face. We're just going to lift out two verses. Isaiah 59 and the first and second verse. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, that you came, you bled and died on Calvary's tree. We thank you for the precious blood that flowed from Emmanuel's veins. We thank you for the power of the blood, the cleansing of the blood, the atonement of the blood. We ask you now tonight, Lord, that your spirit, that he would move from seat to seat, from heart to heart. And Lord, move in this place and those who are watching live, wherever they are at this time, will you bless them, challenge them, speak to them also. Lord, in this place where your presence is felt, Lord, Lord, we thank you for the songs of Zion we have been singing and for Billy and ministering in song. But in this place now we ask you, Holy Spirit, move among us and speak into our lives, but to glorify the Son of God. Lift him up. Enable me to show him forth through thy word, and by the power of the Holy Ghost. And so I pray for your anointing to come and settle upon me and to minister among this congregation. Lord, that you would rest upon every head and heart. And Lord, that you, Lord, would glorify thine own self in all that is said this evening. We love you because you first loved us. We praise you, we bless you, we magnify you, we thank you, we adore you, we desire you, we want you, we need you. And Lord, we cannot do without you. So come and have thine own way. For Jesus' name's sake, I pray and ask it. Amen. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Neither his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. God is still able to save. This verse is speaking to a sinful people, a nation who are fallen away from God, turned their back on the Lord. And the worst of sin is happening throughout Israel. God is looking upon them and through the prophet Isaiah. He's saying, my hand isn't shortened. It can still save. My ear isn't heavy. It still hears. But what is it hearing? 
It is hearing of all of the atrocities and the abominations that are happening in your land. I think if we were honest with ourselves this evening, every one of us could say that is happening in Ulster tonight. It is happening in the United Kingdom tonight and in Ireland tonight. It is happening in the United States tonight, especially when we see things that are happening, the abominations that are taking place, the unjust laws that are being passed, especially the atrocities from from pre-birth right up until adulthood of the the old older generation now looking as it were to try and pass a bill uh, that they may have euthanasia which means then there'll be those who are disabled who are able to be as it were uh, come to an end of life without their own decision and hence we see our nation is falling deeper and deeper into sin Iniquity and transgression. We are seeing the wicked in power. We are seeing terrorists in government. We are seeing those who uphold the worst of the worst and they're doing their worst upon the people of this land. We are seeing the people of our society. They are putting that which is good now as evil and that which is evil as good. Light for darkness and darkness for light. And the Lord looking Upon us, he can say, my hand can still save. My hand can still save the drunkard. My arm is not shortened that it cannot save. It can save. My hand can still save the addict. My hand can save the worst of the worst. My son who died on Calvary's tree, the arm of the Lord made bare. My son and his blood still avails for all who will call upon the name of Christ to be saved. His hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither is his ear heavy that it cannot hear. He hears, but what is he hearing? He's hearing very little cries anymore from the people to rescue, to save, to deliver. Even from many pulpits now are changing the word of God to suit themselves where the gospel, that is the saving grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The preaching of the blood and the book is very little to none as it preached anymore in many, many pulpits. It's ear-tickling sermons. It's things to make you feel better. It's have a great day and 10 ways to have a blessed life and get rich quick and get it now and, and so forth and so forth. Thinking that is the blessing of the Lord. The greatest blessing of the Lord is when Christ enters the life of a man and a woman and they are saved for time and eternity, sealed by the spirit of adoption and washed in the blood of the Lamb. That is the greatest blessing for people, any man and any woman, and the greatest blessing for our people and our nation. God is able to save, and God can still hear. Look at verse 2. But your iniquities, see there's a but that we don't like to look at. There is a but. Everyone wants heaven, but they don't want the Savior of heaven. Everyone wants to be saved, as it were, to go to heaven when they die, live how they like, do what they want, and then end up in heaven. But they don't want the Christ of heaven. They don't want to 
yield to him and bow to him and give their lives to him now in this life, but rather they think they'll be there should they die this moment on in the spot. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God and your sins. Notice the personal note, the personal tone, not only of the nation, national sins that have happened in our land, but notice the personal tone to you tonight. But your sins, your iniquities, have, your sins have separated between you and your God, and pardon me, your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face. Notice the words, his face. The hidden face of God. The hidden face. That he will not hear. Notice here the word iniquity. We want to look at it. It's the word avon. Avon. And it means perversity. Perversity. It also means depravity. In fact, it means to be morally evil in every way. God looking at Israel, he sees their perversity. He sees what they were doing before his face. He sees the depravity of their human nature and their inability to save themselves nor even better themselves. They're worshipping other gods. They're going after idols. They're doing other things. And, and those who are higher in the higher echelons, as if you want the latest of the day, are manipulating and controlling the masses just like it's happening tonight. And God looks upon it and he sees the perversity. Sexual perversity. Spiritual perversity. Physical perversity. Surely tonight we can look at our nation and see the perversity that is sexual, physical, and spiritual. Why is it, brothers and sisters, that men and women are willing to worship at the foot of everyone else and everything else, and they won't come to the one God who can save them and worship at the feet of Christ. We give them stadiums and it, it keeps them occupied. We give them electronic devices and it keeps us all looking at the screen, keeps us blinded from that which is going on in the world and in our nation, and, and we become so used to it, become programmed, programmed by what is going on. Did you know even last week, in fact, you wouldn't have known this, maybe Andrew would know it. Last week, our two sermons on here last week, I wondered why there was very little views on them and nothing was happening and we got a notification. Did you see that, Andrew, last week? Do you know who blocked our sermons worldwide last week? Disney. Disney Incorporated blocked our sermons last week. I wrote a wee letter into them and they've taken it off from one of them. I don't know about the other one yet. So that's the power that Disney has, the abomination of it. That's what social media has. And that's what the news and the media has and the sin and the iniquity of it. Imagine Disney because we were singing hymns. Worldwide, we were blocked on social media because of it. 
And they told me why. Did you read that, Andrew? I looked into it, and that's why. It was Disney Incorporated that blocked us worldwide last week. What are your children watching? What are you being programmed with? The news, the Nickelodeon and all those kids' things. Notice here, brothers and sisters and friends, the perversity that's in our nation is from the higher echelons of government and society. Manipulating like puppet masters and controlling. And in the day of Isaiah, things were similar. where The people were being manipulated and controlled. But the Lord seen it, and the Lord said, I see your perversity, your iniquities. I see the depravity. And I won't save you because of it. I want to see revival in our land. Yes, we all do. But unless the church is revived, unless the church has a change. Listen, in the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, I'm going off my notes here, forgive me for a moment. In the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, the church as we know it, that is, at the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, was born. Now there's the church in the wilderness, and this is a type, but the church as we know it was born in Acts chapter 2. It was formed, okay? Formed. And then by the time centuries come down and when the papacy took over, then it became dark and deformed. Then the Reformation came and it became reformed. Do you know what it's been today? It's being conformed. Now it's being conformed. Paul tells us, be ye not conformed to this world. So what the church says is too conformed to the world, afraid of what they'll say, afraid of what people will think, afraid of the governments and afraid of everything that's out there, all the, the news and the media and the newspapers and so on and so on, and they're afraid. And they're being conformed by what's out there is affecting the church, what's in here and what's in our hearts. And it says, be ye not conformed to this world, Paul tells us. Gives the idea of don't let the outside affect the inside. Basically, that's it in a nutshell. Don't let on the outside affect what God's doing on the inside. Be not conformed to this world. Listen, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the thing about this is, is the church now is being conformed. And hence, they're practicing gay marriage. Hence, many churches are now hanging up the, the gay rainbow flag, the, the one that they have, not the rainbow God sent. And hence they're doing all manners of things and they're excusing, they're excusing those who go to murder the baby in the womb. And the church is being conformed, squeezed by it. Really, People say we need another reformation. We don't. I don't believe so because we've had the reformation. We have the word of God in our hands. The word of God was printed coming out of Rome and into the reformation. The word of God was printed. We see now that we're saved by grace through faith. We have the truth of the word. We have it here with us. We don't need a reformation. 
We need a transformation. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Here we find here in the book of Isaiah, the Lord is watching the perversity and the depravity that's happening in Israel. And he says, I won't even listen to you when the enemy comes. Even their very sacrifices were perverse. Their sacrifices to other gods, just in case, keep everybody happy. Let's all ecumenize and mingle in together. It's happening today. It's happening in our land. It's happening in our nation. The Lord says, I won't hear when the enemy comes. Oh, where's God when this happens? And where's God when that happens? He's where you wanted him outside. Far away from you. Northern Ireland, you're putting God outside. The Lord can hear what's in the secret places. The Lord knows the plots and the plans of the wicked ones. The Lord knows what the future entails and what the future will hold and how your future may be manipulated. Believer. It's your iniquity, he says, have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you. Word separated here. Let me look at it for a moment. It's a word badal. I want you to it means to divide. It means to distinguish. It means to put or to make a difference. People don't like to think of God making a difference, but he does. God made a difference when he elected Israel. God made a difference between Israel and Egypt. He says, I put a difference between you. And there's a difference between those who are in Christ And those who are not in Christ, those who are saved, and those who are lost. And God will keep that difference for all who will stand before him, whether at death or the coming of Christ. For example, in Genesis 1 and verse 4, it says, And God saw the light, that it was good. Now take note, God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. God divided the light. It's the same word, your sins have separated between you and your God. There's a separation as much as there is light and darkness. In Exodus 26 and verse 33, speaking of the tabernacle, listen to what it says, And thou shalt hang up the veil under the thatches, that thou mayest bring thither within the veil of the testimony, and the veil shall divide unto you between the holy place and the most holy. You have the outer court. Then you had a veil, and then behind it was the holy place. Then behind another veil was the holy of holies, or the most holy. And the Lord says, do you see this veil? 
This is divide even the priests from the high priest. This field means that you can't go in there because my presence will be in there. Only the high priest once a year can go in there. And the veil, he says, will represent the separation between you and me. Between Adam and God. Adam's kind and the Almighty God. And the man and the woman outside of Christ are separated from God. If they die separated from God, they will spend eternity separated from God. Take note of this. When we have the outer court coming towards the holy place, you had the, the altar where blood was shed. And then as you come towards the first curtain, as it were, you have the, the laver for washing. And it was a beaten bronze like a mirror under it. And as they washed, they could see themselves. Here's the blood. Here's the washing of the word of God. We see the word of God is the mirror that we see ourselves in. The word of God shows us that we need to be saved. The word of God tells us that we're sinners and outside of Christ we'll spend eternity without Christ. That there's no help, no help, no, no hope and no reprieve once we leave this scene of time and go out into eternity. That a man and a woman now in this life must be born again. Must be saved. Notice here. There's the blood, the altar. They washed. And as they washed, you can see the reflection of themselves. That's, you're, you're just a man. You can see yourself in the mirror of the word of God. You're just a man, a woman. You, you, this is who you are. Look at the dirt. It takes a washing. Then when they go in behind the first into what is called the holy place. There is the showbread, the table with the 12 loaves on it, representing each tribe of Israel. There is the lampstand, the menorah candlestick, and then there is the altar of incense. Now, I want you to catch this, because this is important. You have the blood and you have the water. And then when you go in, you have the bread, and you have the lamp, and you have the incense. And every single part of it is bringing you until there's a curtain. It's all about the senses. There's the blood and the washing. Speaks of our touching, slaying of the animal. The washing speaks of our washing of ourselves. It's the touching. See, it's a human sense to touch. We think of the, of the showbread, the taste. We taste the bread. That's why we taste and see that the Lord is good. The showbread is the tasting and the lampstand. So we, we taste with the mouth. We have the seeing with the eyes, the lampstand to bring light over against. It's shown the other, to the other side over against the showbread. Christ said, I am the light of the world. I am the bread which cometh down from God out of heaven. He is the sacrifice of the altar outside. He's the word of God of the washing of the laver. It's all pointing to him. And look, people search for, for, for religion and they search for denomination and they search for some sort of spirituality in their life. And they tend to go through some of these things and they come into this place where it's all, it's all carnal. It's all about our, our five senses, our touching, our tasting, our seeing. Then it comes down 
the smelling, the prayers of the saints, our great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. And this altar of incense goes up, but then you can't get any further, for there's a big curtain there. Our sins have separated between us and God. Our sins have separated. The curtain separates. And you know what's behind that curtain? The ark of the covenant and the mercy seat of God. And on our own steam and strength, we cannot and are not allowed to enter into there because our sins have separated between us and our God. Your sins separated you between you and God. And so we can get our senses, oh, why we can, well, we can do the religion bit because, and we can even profess that we believe, and we can do the denomination thing, but the reality of being unified and reconciled back to God, there's a great big curtain of sin. That curtain of sin was rent when Christ died. When Christ was on the cross, the curtain was rent from the top to the bottom that we could freely go into the presence of God. All who are Christ's. All to be saved. And the separation would be no more but reconciled to God in Christ. But there's many and they've got thus far. And the faith and the spiritual aspect of it was the Ark of the Covenant, the seventh piece the ark and the mercy seat, the sixth and the seventh piece of the furniture in the tabernacle. They all point to Christ. They all point to it. And I can I ask you, are you still separated from God by your sin? Is there still a curtain between you and God, as it were? You know... In Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve had sinned in the garden, and the Lord comes down in Genesis 3 and verse 23, listen to, or 24, pardon me, listen to what it says. He's speaking to Adam and it says, So he drove out the man. He drove Adam out of Eden. Get out. See the word drove, it's a word, garash. That means to drive out. He drove him out. Adam, you've disobeyed me. You've sinned. And he drove him from his presence. He wasn't coming to talk to him anymore in the cool of the day. You know what it actually means? It's used as well for divorce. Check me out on it. The Lord says, see between me and you. Get out. And don't come back. Get out and don't come back, he says. And hence there had to be blood sacrifice between Adam and God, but he never had the same walk with the Lord again. Adam's sin caused separation in Eden, yes. And Adam's sin caused separation from God. You know, in Ezekiel 14... Pardon me, Ezekiel 28 and Isaiah 14 and in Revelation chapter 12, it talks about the fall of Lucifer out of heaven. He got kicked out of heaven for sin. He got kicked out of heaven for sin. Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28 and Revelation chapter 12. All talk about him getting kicked out of heaven because he sinned. Now, I want to say this with reverence and respect to the Lord and to everyone, but, but think about it now. 
Think about this. If Satan got kicked out of heaven because of sin, or since he got kicked out of heaven because of sin, how can God let a man or a woman in to heaven while in their sin? They're separated from each other. How can he? It's impossible because God cannot abide sin. And so the man and the woman whose sins are not washed away by the blood of Christ, who are not trusting in him, they are separated forever from the Lord. And I say this with respect. If the Lord lets a man or a woman into heaven in their sin, you'll have to apologize to the devil. You think about that. Adam's sin caused separation from Eden. Adam's sin caused separation from God. And even the sins of Satan caused him separation from heaven. Israel's iniquities were so deep dyed and dark it caused the separation between themselves and Yahweh or Jehovah God. And such a separation came. God says, I won't hear you. I won't hear you. I can't hear you, but I won't hear you. In fact, I'd hide my face from you. So his hidden face. His hidden face. He says in verse 2, But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. See the word sins? It's the word kata'a. And it really gives the idea of this. Your offense to me. You're an offense to me. Israel, you're an offense to me. I wonder what he says tonight of our nation. When he sees what's happening. You're an offense to me. And I'm going to hide my face from you. Maybe there's a man or a woman and you're you're rejecting the Lord and living in sin, and he would say, you're an offense to me. Your sins are separating between me and you. We can't have the fellowship we have. We... Sin must. Sin must. I'm going to say it again. Sin must be owned before it can be atoned. Sin must be owned before it can be atoned. Listen to the words of the Savior in Mark chapter 2, verse 17. They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. In other words, he's saying, I'm come to call you. If you say, I'm all right the way I am, I go to church. I'm all right the way I am. You know, I, I'm not a bad person. I, I'm all right. He's saying then, you're self-righteous then. I'm not calling you. But the one who says, Lord, save me, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. Help me, Lord. He says, then I've come for you. It's you the Spirit is working on. It's you God the Holy Ghost is speaking to. It's you that God the Holy Spirit is quickening to be able to understand your need of Christ. It doesn't matter your background, your religious affiliation. It matters none of it because there's none of this in heaven. You know what there is? There's the saved and the lost. 
saved in heaven and the lost in hell. I'm told when the Titanic sank that on shore there was a, a board put up. It was divided down the middle by a line. And on the top it just said, saved here. And on the other side it just said, lost. And the name saved, lost down this side. There's no saved in middle and affair. You were either saved or you were lost. You either were saved from the sea or you were lost and died in the sea. And it's the same with Christ. There's no sitting on the fence with Christ. He that is not for me is against me, he says. Uh, well, I, I, I'm not really, I'm not really, I don't really have any problem with Jesus himself. So I, I'm, I'm, I'll sit in the fence, you know. The devil owns the fence, friend. The devil owns the fence. You're either saved or you're lost. And Jesus came to save those who will cry for mercy, for it's on them the Spirit of God is moving and working. And you're the one whom the Father gave to his Son. Sin must be claimed before it can be cleansed. Sin must be claimed before it can be cleansed. Listen to John 1, the Puritan. I thought this was brilliant. Custom of sinning takes away the sense of it. The course of sinning takes away the shame of it. Do you know why the world, do you know why our nation, do you know why the United Kingdom, do you know why it's getting worse? Do you know why these British Isles are getting worse? Because the custom of sinning has taken away the sense that we're even sinning. We get so used to it. The custom of sinning, it even just takes away that it's even happening anymore. Some of the things we see in our street, if you've seen them 10, 15, 20 years ago, there'd be an outcry. Some of the things that we hear that's happening on our news are being outcry. Who would have ever thought that our nation would have been locked down, masked up and shut up? Who would have thought that the gospel preachers would be arrested on the streets of Northern Ireland? Little evangelical Ulster? Who would have thought a simple phone call to say you've been hurt by something that somebody said? My goodness, when I was growing up, I was hurt by something somebody said every day. People were saying all manner of things. Things on media and social media and in our land and nation, billboards up and, and all sorts of perversity and depravity. And you see, we've become so accustomed to it. It doesn't matter anymore. We don't realize it's happening. Even our children are growing up, our teenagers, and their ears have been softened and their eyes have become unpure to the things they're seeing and hearing. They think it's normal. They think it's normal. And God has hid his face from us. Want to know why things are happening? God has hid his face from us. 
custom of sinning takes away the sense of it. We have no sense of sin anymore. And the course of sinning takes away the shame of it. Listen, this is John Owen. What, 400, 500 years ago, writing this? What would he think if he arrived in the year 2022? How far we have fallen. As far as Haddon Spurgeon, he says, Beloved, you must know the bitterness of sin before you can know the blessedness of forgiveness. Beloved, you must know the bitterness of sin before you can know the blessedness of forgiveness. Now it's a case of, you know, say this wee prayer and that's it and live how you like. That's not the gospel. The gospel is you're a sinner and he's a great savior. You're a sinner and he's a great savior. And you're separated from God forever lest you be in Christ. Beloved, you must know the bitterness of sin before you can know the blessedness of forgiveness. Listen, it is bitter. It is so bitter that it had Lucifer kicked out of heaven. It is so bitter that it had Adam drove from the garden. It is so bitter that it withheld God's hand from Israel. It is so bitter that it dulls his ear from hearing them. It is so bitter that it separates us from God. It is so bitter it causes God to hide his face. That's how bitter our sin is. Genesis 4 and 7. Listen to what the Lord said to Cain when they bring the offerings. And Cain brings the work of his hands, the sweat of his brow. See what I've done? See all my works? God, you're going to be, you're, you're going to be happy with this, aren't you? But the Lord says, come and bring a, a lamb. Cut its throat and give me the blood. Offer the blood. Simple as that. Abel does it that way. Cain brings the offering of his hand. Listen to Genesis 4 and verse 7. The Lord says to Cain, if thou doest well. Now this isn't salvation by works. What he's saying, if you come the way I've ordained, if you come the way I've said, if you come as Abel, your brother has come by the blood, by the blood sacrifice, not your works. If thou doest well, thou shalt be accepted. And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. It's the exact same word in Isaiah 59 and 2. The offense, your offense, Cain, lies at your own door. Ah, it's different when it's at your door. It's different when it's at your door. So when I go home tonight, if I'm not saved, the offense of me is still at the door. It's still yours. You can't blame anybody else. Listen to Psalm 27 and verse 9. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not Neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. Notice the psalmist even realizes, Lord, if you stay with me and you say you will, you'll neither leave me nor forsake me. And of course, the Hebrew writer in Hebrews 13 and 5 says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee to those who are in Christ. I will never leave thee 
nor forsake thee. So secure and sure it is that if you say it even backwards, it still means the same. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Thee forsake nor thee leave never will I. Reconciled to God in Christ. Pardon me for these quotations tonight, but listen to John Trapp. God puts many away in his anger for their supposed goodness, but not any at all for their confessed badness. <laughs> I want you to get this because I looked at this and I had to read it twice. God puts many away in his anger for their supposed goodness. But not any at all for their confessed badness. Lord, I'm good. I've done good. I'm a good person. And the Lord says, get out of my way. Behind my back. Separate it. But the man and the woman who says, Lord, I'm a sinner in need of a savior. And I'm guilty before you. Will you forgive me? He says, then I will accept you. I'll never put you away. For him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out, Jesus said. So his hidden face, you'll be glad to know that's the longest part. Rushing quickly, his glorious face. Daniel chapter 10, Daniel is given a vision. And this vision Now remember, it's a vision, but it's a vision of Christ in his glorified state. It's a vision of Christ and his deity. Listen to what Daniel 10 and verse 6 says. His body was also like beryl. And notice his face as the appearance of lightning. His eyes as the lamps of fire. And his arms and feet like color to polished brass. And the voice of his words like the voice of a multitude. He sees this glorious being. Not understanding who or what he's seeing. And he's seeing the pre-incarnate Christ. But it's a vision now. In Revelation chapter 1. John has a vision. And from verses 12 to 18. We'll not read it again for time's sake. Listen to this. John sees. Revelation 1 and verse 14. He sees his eyes as it were a flame of fire. Daniel 10 and 6 says his eyes were as lamps of fire. In Revelation 1 and verse 15, John sees his feet like on the fine brass as if they burned in a furnace. In Daniel chapter 10 and verse 6 again, Daniel sees his feet as like onto colored brass. Revelation 1 and 15, John says his voice is as the sound of many waters. Daniel 10 and 6 He says his his words were like the voice of a multitude. Revelation 1 and 16. John sees his countenance as the sun which shineth in its strength. In other words, he sees his face as though the sun is in full beam. The highest point of the day. In, In Daniel 10 and verse 6, it says, His face was as the appearance of lightning. Now listen. In Matthew 17 and verse 2, the Lord Jesus Christ takes with him Peter and James and John up the mount. And he's transfigured before them. The deity comes through the humanity. See, the, 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 the humanity is clothing the deity that's come from glory. And now the deity is coming through the humanity. 
And in Matthew 17 and verse 2 it says, And he was transfigured before them. And take note, and his face did shine as the sun. And his raiment was as the white as the light. Notice his face was as white as the light. Here is Christ pre-incarnate. Here is him pre-cross, now post-cross with John. And here he is walking as a man. And he's transfigured before them. But John sees him on the judgment throne. John sees him again on the judgment throne. Revelation 20 verse 11. He says, And I saw a great white throne in him that sat on it. Notice, From whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. You know what John says? He says, When I seen it, his face was so glorious, but he's in judgment. And the earth and the heavens were flying away from him. Everyone was trying to get away from him. There's found no place for them. I remember one time, time's gone, I have to speed up here. Listen, listen to this. I remember one time in Corn Market in Belfast. I was preaching there, that curly whirly thing's there. Don't know what that's meant to be. And it used to be a bandstand. There was a, 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 fountain, a water fountain before that. But it used to be a bandstand. We used to have open airs in it. There's a couple of steps up it, like these steps here. And it was sort of long. And we were up here playing the bandstand. A couple of people about giving tracks out. The place was packed and it was a Saturday afternoon. And I've seen this. This guy caught my eye. And he had his hands in the air, squealing and yelling. He was demonic. He was cursing and swearing and calling us all sorts of names. And here's me preaching on the microphone, and I thought, this guy's going to come. He's flying at me, pushing people out of the way to attack me. And I'm standing up these steps, and all I could think of was, shoot it? Shoot it not? What do you do? You're trying to think? He came flying up, and he just got to about the first step, and he stopped. You thought someone put their hand on his chest like that. The scripture came to me, and I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it from whose face and when I said that he spun round he ran up on the street ah squealing and yelling and pulling at his hair looking at me and running away from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away I said and there was found no place for him and the devil took him away up on the street out of the road This one who sits on the throne, the unsaved will stand before him, his glorious face. We had his hidden face, his glorious face. We have his human face, and I haven't time to go through this. I haven't time to go through it. Because of about two pages on his human face. Snapshots of it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6, listen to what Paul writes. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the glory, knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. See the word there, for God who commanded the light, L-I-G-H-T. If you're taking notes, write FOS, F-O-C-E, FOS, FOS. 
and see the word commanded the light to shine. You write there for the word shine, Lampo, L-A-M-P-O. It's where we get our name, a lamp, from. You take your lamp in the dark and walk with it. And what Paul is saying, for God had commanded the folks to be like a lamp in the darkness. And it shines, it's a lamp again into our hearts to give the light. The word changes here for light. And it's the word photismos. And listen to this. It's, it's where we, it's made up of, of, of two words here. Pardon me. Photismos is the word light to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This word photismos is made up of two. They're nearly defunct words now in the Greek New Testament. But these words put together, it's where we, uh, we get the word phosphorus from. Phosphorus. And for those of you, I'm not a scientist now, but if you were to look up and do some sort of study on phosphorus, phosphorus is from uh, the word that's used for bones, teeth, you ready? DNA and RNA. Bones, teeth, DNA and RA. That's the, the word phos. Phosphorus. Or Phosismos. And this is where it's from. It gives the idea in the Greek text that there has to be a source to shine and emanate from the light from. So if you go out at night and you take a torch, it's the source and it emanates the light. God who commanded the phos, that is, the source to shine out of darkness, and has shined as a lamp, as it were, into our hearts to give the light. The word light or, or photismos means the, the illumination. So there has to be a force of light. There has to be a source of light to shine forth the light, to emanate the light. And God says, I know I'll send my son. And he takes on the bodily form of a human being. His face is a human's face. And he says, I am the light. I am the force. I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the force of light. He then says, also in the scriptures, ye are, brothers and sisters, ye are the force. Your body is where the light of Christ shines. So this human face, that's a whole lot in a nutshell. So forgive me if, if you're finding it hard to stay with me on that. The word phosphorus is part of the human makeup. Phosphorus is in the human diet. And phosphorus, you know where it's mainly found? In the dust of the earth. God sends forth the light of his son and that which is formed from the dust of the earth and the genes are the, the very nature of Adam. Through Abraham, he forms a body and a son is born of Bethlehem to shine the light. And those that sat in darkness saw great light. Spiritual light. Spiritual light in Christ. 
says of his face, his human face, it came to pass and the time has come that he should be received up. He steadfastly set his face. In other words, set, it means steeled. He steeled his face. His face went like steel or his face went like flint. He wanted to go to Jerusalem to die for you, that you might be reconciled and not separated. Matthew 26 and verse 7, 67, it says, Of those who arrested him, they did spit in his face and buffeted him. Brothers and sisters, I have a wee slate, that's the right word for it, scripture written on it, it was given it as a gift, I have it sitting just in my living room, and I have another wooden one carved out, it was given as another gift, I have it one side and one on the other, so I'll see it when I look that way, and I can see this wooden one when I look that way, and it's Revelation 22 and 4, one of my most favorite scriptures of all, and they shall see his face. That's the saved. The unsaved will see his face at that great white throne judgment, but you and I, it says, it's just a word of beauty and the whole lot of this. It's, it just comes to you. They shall see his face. We're going to see the face of Christ. We're going to see the face of the Savior. We're going to see the face of the one that died for us, who loved us and went to Calvary for us shed his blood, will see his actual face. They shall see his face and his name shall be in their forehead. It's not going to say Jesus across their forehead now. All this old stuff you hear about Antichrist and his name on their forehead and 666 in the forehead. That's a lot of pooey nonsense. It talks about, talks about his word. It talks about the mental ascent. That's why the mental ascent for the Antichrist spirit in the world now. That's why I've been trying to tell you not to take it on. Not be conformed to this word, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because it, it's to program your mind, your children's minds. Finish with us. Matthew 26. Verse 39 says, and he went a little further. This is in Gethsemane, and he fell on his face. His human face. He fell on his face. See, in the Greek text, it's what's known as an improper verb there. And it means he walked a little further from the disciples in the garden, and he fell down right on his face. And he got up again, and he fell on his face. And he gets up again. He falls again on his face. The weight and the burden of what's ahead of him. And he gets up again. And he falls on his face. The idea of the improper verb is he gets up and he falls. And he gets up and he falls. And he gets up and he falls again and again and again. Over and over and over again. And he prays, oh my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. He's falling on his face at the weight of it all. Over and over and over again. And man thinks he's going to enter into glory land by Cain's offering. Women think they're all right the way they are. 
your sins have separated between you and God. There's only one way to be reconciled, and that's in Christ. But they shall see his face. And his name shall be written on their foreheads. His word will be in our... See, that's why we're telling you, read the word. Obey the word. Get Christ up. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, because there's going to come a time when this body, when Christ returns, is renewed. Our minds will be like his mind. Our thoughts like his thoughts. We'll see his face. What a day.